To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to the men, uh, members and guests gathered here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God, uh, upon which we base our message on this uh, recognition, recognition of Independence Day, is uh, a few of the words from the Old Testament reading. Recall those. This is actually Jesus speaking. Through me, kings reign and rulers decree fair laws. Through me, princes rule and so do nobles and all fair judges. And from Acts chapter 17, St. Paul's sermon on Mars Hill. From one man, God has made every nation of humanity to live over the earth. He has given them the seasons of the year and the boundaries within which to live. And finally, from Daniel chapter 2. Praise God's name from everlasting to everlasting because he is wise and powerful. He changes times and periods of history. He removes kings and establishes them. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who truly is King of kings and Lord of lords, my beloved. July 4th, 2016. Tomorrow, Independence Day. Every time we celebrate it, we have to go back and remember why and what are we celebrating. Because all of us are so prone to forget the gifts of God, many of which he gives to us, to our government and our nation. July 4th, 1776, the signing of the Declaration of Independence by our forefathers, a great act of courage because as of that particular time, they were not independent. But they said that they wanted to be, and they should be. And yet it wasn't until 1783, seven years later, that England finally said, okay, we'll allow you to be independent, and they signed the uh, Peace Treaty of Paris. Then it was December 15th, 1791. First Amendment to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Guaranteeing us the right of the exercise of free religion, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, that the government should not interfere with the right to peaceably assemble, and also guaranteeing us that the government will not prohibit the petitioning for a governmental redress of grievances. But then it wasn't until 1812 when the British again invaded our nation and tried to take it over one last time. That's 36 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence where we finally drove them out. And if that hadn't happened, we'd probably have uh, Queen Elizabeth's face on all of our currency. But they left and didn't bother us again. 
But you know, when it comes down to the 4th of July, it certainly should be a day more, more than just some flag-waving, uh, a day off from work, all to be concluded by some fireworks. It's a time for all of us to recognize once again that God is control, in control of everything. It's a time for us to remember that we live in two kingdoms, we Christians. It's a time for us to remember to celebrate the freedoms that we have right now. And it's a time for us to repent for taking our current freedoms, which are a gift from God, for granted. Despite all the appearances around us here in the good old USA, God is still in control. You know all the news headlines. The stock market volatility, all those threats to your 401k, actions and threats of terrorism. We're living in a polarized nation. And even Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. We pray for our nation. And then there's always the, all of the... Uh, condescension and contempt for Christians by secular culture around us. St. Paul says, never fear, God's still in control. Daniel says, he removes kings and establishes them. The migrations and accomplishments of nations are in God's hands. Empires rise and fall according to God's will. Civilizations and cultures and geography and history of nations are all ordered by the powerful hand of God. God is in control. We celebrate the 4th of July. We should also remember that we live in two kingdoms. The kingdom of the world, and for us Christians, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of the world is only temporary. Hebrew t Hebrews tells us we're just camping out. The kingdom of God provides for a mansion, not a tent, a mansion reserved for you forever through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God tells us, hey, with all the rigmarole and the chaos around us, don't try to, you know, fix it all and get too comfortable here because you're only passing through. You're not home yet. It's a time, July 4th, to celebrate our God-given freedoms that we have right now and not to take them for granted. No nation in history, you can take a look at all the history books, there is no nation that has endured from the beginning of time to the present. Nations and governments, they come and they go. We know that right now, our Constitution of the United States guarantees certain rights and freedoms but there is no guarantee how long our nation will uphold those rights. Right now, though, we have the right to assemble peaceably and worship. We pray that won't be a taken away from us. But we look around the world, cultures and nations, we have freedom and we have oppression. We have prosperity, and we have adversity. 
And none of us can say which is better and which is worse. Because they're all relative when it comes, comes to God's control of the universe because he does what he wants. And you know as well as I do that the church has not always fared well during prosperity, but many times during adversity it has grown. The church has not always cherished freedom, but it has grown during times of suppression and oppression. As we celebrate our current freedoms, I'd like to close, and I just have to do this because I just read this over the past week or two. And by the way, I would suggest this book calling Being Lutheran, Hot Off the Press from CPH by Pastor Trevor Sutton. True story, certainly applicable to our situation in the United States. They had one of the nicer churches in Sudan. Rather than roasting in the sun through the long sermon, the congregation met in a long mud hut. Even with the luxury of a roof overhead, the building was dark, hot, and sweaty. They fanned themselves throughout the service. They sat on metal stools and benches. On particularly crowded Sundays, people had to sit on temporary benches made of stray tree branches tied together. Every Sunday was crowded. Solomon's father was a leader in the congregation. A shortage of pastors meant that many congregations had to rely on lay leaders to assist in worship. Occasionally, the congregation would travel to the capital for a large worship service with many other people. More often, they gathered together to hear the gospel openly proclaimed in their local congregation. The Holy Spirit moved in that place. The presence of the Lord was with them. The government was increasingly suspicious about the open proclamation of the gospel happening in the congregation. Pressure grew against Solomon's father and the church. Keep your mouth shut. Stop preaching the gospel. We are watching you. Threats grew more frequent. Violence became more imminent. This forced Solomon's family to flee Sudan in the middle of the night. His father woke him at 2 a.m. and told him they were leaving. They had sold the house and everything in it. Cash in hand and shoes on their feet, Solomon and his family left Sudan to find somewhere else to openly proclaim the gospel. Egypt was a temporary home after leaving Sudan. Solomon was about 10 years old when they traveled there by train. People were immediately suspicious of him and his family. Who are these people coming from Sudan? Why do they have so much cash on them? What are they carrying in those bags? Where are they going? Are they Christians? Every car on the train was filled with greedy eyes looking at Solomon. He prayed for God's protection. He always kept one eye on his father. He ran fast when his father told him to go. He ran too fast. He lost a shoe running through the train station. Solomon entered Egypt with only one shoe. Open proclamation of the gospel in Egypt was no easier. They could not worship in a congregation. Instead, the family met together with a few others in their studio apartment. The doors were locked. The shades were closed. The tension was high. 
and the gospel was proclaimed. Relying wholly on the Lord, Solomon craved God's word. He had a fire in his bones that was kindled by prayer. He longed for the day when the gospel could be openly shared with all people. Doors open, windows open, and mouths open, proclaiming the gospel. His father worked a construction job in Egypt. He had the job until they found out that he was a Christian. He did not shout it from the top of the building they were constructing. He simply prayed a blessing over his meal before he ate. Even that was too much. He was fired on the spot. Turn your hard hat and your tools in. Do not plan to return tomorrow. We will not have any Christians working for us. Solomon and his family were not comfortable in Egypt. He was constantly running from discrimination. Fear followed him everywhere. Persecution was a daily reality. Although violence was always close, God was always closer. Jesus had opened Solomon's heart to God. Only 10 years old, Solomon trusted God for his eternal salvation and his daily protection. The Holy Spirit worked a spiritual maturity in him through daily hardship. God provided an opportunity for Solomon and his family to move to America. February in Ohio is much colder than it is in Africa. In a little over a day, he went from sweltering 90-degree heat to frosty sub-zero winds. Nevertheless, his family was warmed by the opportunity to worship without persecution. Proclaiming the gospel was not punishable by death. Preaching the good news of Jesus would not get you fired. For the first time in his life, Solomon could pray with both eyes closed. Some friends in America invited Solomon and his family to attend a church. The church was a Lutheran church. Many other refugees had found their way to this Lutheran congregation. This is what they had craved for so long. The gospel of Jesus Christ was openly preached from the pulpit. There was no veil of good works covering the grace of Jesus. The good news was not obscured by rationalism, political correctness, or fear. All people had open access to God's salvation in Christ Jesus. Solomon has no desire to return to the land of persecution. He does not long for the days when his family had to worship with closed doors, closed windows, and hushed voices. He rejoices in the open access to the gospel that he and his family now enjoy. Nevertheless, there is something missing. Persecution kept his faith sharp. Threats of violence honed his prayer. Rumors of people suffering for the gospel drove him closer to the Lord. Experiencing the open proclamation of the gospel, even if it was in hushed worship behind closed doors, was precious. Hearing the gospel whispered made it speak even louder in his heart. In a land of persecution, Solomon was keenly aware that he had to rely wholly on God. In a land of plenty, he still has a fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, that fire feels a bit more temperate. Zeal is oddly harder to maintain in a land 
where there is free and open access to the gospel. He certainly does not want to go back to those days of struggle. He does, however, want to go back and experience the power of God at work in the midst of persecution. To be certain, Solomon counts it a blessing to finally pray with both of his eyes closed. Still, as great as it is, praying with both eyes closed makes it that much easier to fall asleep. Earthly freedoms are not guaranteed to last forever. May God grant on this 4th of July weekend that we use our current freedoms now and in the days to come and not take them for granted but use them wisely to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because our church is yet open and to spread the message of Jesus Christ so that many of our fellow citizens of both our church body and of our nation may ultimately dwell together along with us forever in the lasting country, the only country that lasts the kingdom of heaven before the throne and the Lamb. And God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time now to gather our tithes and our cards. <laughs>